take two men that happen to be cousins who share a common codependency on movies, put them in a room, and tell them to talk about anything film-related. The result? A corpulent cornucopia of cinematic scrutiny we call The Finleys on Film. What is it about, um, what is it about woke people that irritates us, Tom? <laughs> why are we, uh, why are we awakened to anger by the wokeness? When after all, what they want is so, so just, it seems. It does. It does. It seems like it, it's, it's, it honestly seems like there's a certain extent to which we should all be nicer to each other. Mm-hmm. 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 And, and more I, authentic and more real. Absolutely. I, I think the, the tendency isn't necessarily in, in the interest of being nice. Um, it tends to be very dismissive of other. It tends to be a rather dismissive approach. Maybe how about that? Yeah, I think that's part of it. And part of it it's is... It's really easy to dismiss other people who don't agree with you on that as lesser people. Yeah, yeah. That is part of it. And I think part of it is also that there's something uh, ironic about people who want you to be more authentic and who use uh, in a, like buzzwords to do it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And that buzzwords. And, and, and then there's the other, you know, there's the other side of the coin. It's, it's, it's one of the big problems with the whole thing is that I think woke culture is trying to make racism seem easy. And it's, and it's kind of not, it's yeah. easy to be racist accidentally, even as a woke person. That's just, a, that there's yeah. a lot of ways that that can be just another way to be racist. I guess so. And also, it seems like um, one of the original wokeness periods, I feel, you and I witnessed, although we didn't know that we were witnessing it. It's like we're, you're born in 1969. I'm born in 1971. You would think the other way around because of the wisdom, but that's how it is. And we witnessed a post-1960s. The 1960s had in it um, some really authentic righteousness. And then a sort of like a, a costume party, like people playing at Righteous. And right. the 1970s took only that second part. So like when people were Righteous, it was just a sort of um, a fashion almost. And so, right. well, see, that's bullshit too. Even a, that's my, ju- my judgment there. Pardon my judgment, Tommy. But it, um, it, it created things like Est, right? And so it's like what happens with Est is you know, the sort of self-encounter groups and everything is a couple of things. At its heart, it has like a good idea to sort of like get to the root of the authentic self or whatever it is. Um, You can't help but notice that um, it's also kind of reserved for the people who have the luxury of that kind of constant self-reflection. Right. Which is a little annoying, but okay, maybe it can't be helped. And then the third thing that happens is people walk around going, saying things like, I'm okay, you're okay. And it's like, yeah, right. and you stab them, right? Yeah, because it feels like a soft rock DJ all the time. <laughs> but it isn't just that. Like, there's also this quality of it too, which is self-reflection, right? But it's also self-regard. Like, it becomes narcissistic. It's taken yeah. to a very large, to to a large degree. And of course, you know, the the cult uh, narcissism and cult behavior definitely go together. Uh, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of our finer cults are from the seventies, my friend. Oh yeah, but well, the cult leaders, I guess, are narcissistic, right? Yeah, but mm-hmm. th- that's that's where the sort of the real sort of ironic I- inequity happens because a lot of the sort of like um, self realization 
the, the, the continuum between self-realization, which seems okay to like cult leadership, there's always a, a power imbalance that's worse than the mainstream society, which is already mm -hmm. bad, right? So there's like somebody taking advantage of you and then you having to become self-aware by realizing that you're nothing. Right. Anyway, all of this is to say that I think 1980s Serial is a fucking great movie, and I forgot yeah, how great it is. <laughs> Martin Mull at his finest, and you, and you, you don't hear that from me often. Martin, Martin Mull. Really? I, I think no. Martin Mull is a fucking national treasure, man. I honestly haven't seen him in very many things. He this is, is one of the few movies, full-length movies I've seen him in. He's so good. He has some sort of association with National Lampoon, I want to say. Early on, well, yeah, I, I I couldn't tell you exactly where he's dead, but he's dead, like he's a comedic icon from like an acting standpoint from like the sixties and seventies for sure. I want he might have been. I think he was on the Smoke Brothers show. I well, I want to in, like indulge at the end of this episode where it's more appropriate to indulge in mm -hmm. you and I because we're doing this through, through Zoom. We can do a kind of a, a five minute viewing party. Do you remember a show from the seventies called Fernwood Tonight? Mm, long class. Wasn't that a spinoff of Mary Tyler Moore? It, of of Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. No, the, I don't remember it. It was the, I don't release. Most, the only one from that era that I can really remember was a little bit of the Dick Van Dyke show, I like, which I like. Oh, it's a different era entirely. So the yeah, well, like exactly. That's what I'm talking about. I don't you know. I, I, I don't remember. I don't remember that show. I don't know that. I don't. Mer I've, I know I've seen it, but I don't remember. Fernwood tonight. It's, yeah. it's, um, so, uh, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman with Louise Lasser was, was, um, set in Fern, Fernwood, Ohio. And so Martin Mull, who was on Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman didn't, it wasn't a spinoff, but he decided to set, um, basically a cable access show where, that he was the host of mm. and, oh, what the fuck is his name? Um, oh, for Ed Asner. Ed Asner. No, he's so good in stuff. And he is what the fuck is this? oh Fred Willard. So he and Fred, he and Fred Willard. I love Fred Willard too. Oh, I put yeah, he and, okay. he and Martin Mull are like these fucking great national treasures that people don't talk enough about. But I think they're both hysterical. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I want to talk about cereal, but because I love Martin Mull and, and we may need some filler anyway, I wanted I want at the end just sort of indulge in a five minute um, watching party of a segment from Fernwood tonight, if with your permission, okay. sir. But let's yeah, okay. So so the thing about cereal is um, it's got this kind of interesting. I would say ensemble cast, right? So it's got, you've got Martin Mull. Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee, which is an interesting part. He's a gay biker. <laughs> yep. Well, it's more than that. Um, and then you have Sally Kirkman. Uh, no, Sally Kirkland. Yeah, I think so. Sally Kirkland That's from it. MASH. She was Hot Let's Houlihan from MASH. She was in Little Foxes. She, I think she, she was in Back to School with Rodney. Well, I mean, you know. Triple Lindy, indeed. She rubbed elbows with greatness many times. Uh, Bill Macy, who you might remember from Maude, the husband and Maude. He was also on The Late Show with Art Carney. We did that, that movie. Um, yeah. Also, the I, I don't remember his name, but he played the dentist um, who shared the office complex with Bob Newhart on The Bob Newhart Show. He plays the, the, the therapist. And this, kind of, basically, this movie has a lot of, has a who's who of comedic actors from the 70s. Uh, and then it has Tuesday Weld. Well, right. she was still hot. Mm -hmm. Oh, when she was hot, she was oh, hot, man. man. And she's she's a good actress. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a genuinely funny movie that has in it unintentionally the production value of 
like um, something between like the love boat and who's the boss. It has like like unintentionally corny. One of those comedies, like from 1978 to 1984, they would do comedies. But the theme song to the comedy would always be like something in it, like a terrible like yeah. Tony Danza sitcom or something. So, so now this is a this is a this actually is based on a book. I once saw the book. No, in a book and I used no start. fucking way is this based yeah. on a book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what's really funny is uh, well, okay. So this movie is a satire of like that's of not just seventies culture specifically, but Northern California seventies culture specifically Marin County. That Very specifically most, Marin County. Yeah, because because. Marin County had that thing of being like this incredibly liberal bastion and a hippie bastion and also the richest county in the United States, I think, at that point. And it might still, it might, might I don't think it does now, but, but it held that title for fucking decades. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it had that, so it has basically bored rich people trying to be liberal and experimental with their lives and what assholes they are <laughs> whilst doing it is a lot of what this movie is about. Yeah, what's funny about the movie, um, in addition to the fact that it satirizes those type of assholes, you're right. It's always the, the people who are the most concerned with what you should do with your life, and they live in the best fucking like places, like palatial right. estates in the woods. Um, but what's what's it, also interesting about the film is, despite the fact that it does it rather successfully, over the 40 years since the movie came out, there are one or two issues where you're like, uh... So, I just, go ahead. This is such a movie of its time and place. I wonder if it would travel to any kind of... If we showed this to a millennial, what the fuck reaction would we get? Um, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, I think even showing it to someone our age... But now is kind of complicated, right? Because right. there, there, I have mostly praised for the way it takes on people who are um, insanely self-righteous, etc. Um, there are, there's a couple of scenes. Well, the way it handles homosexuality, for instance, is yeah. absolutely. I would say, like, it's not that I'm offended, oh, it. but it's almost just sort of like, eh, it's not, not really <laughs> funny anymore. Um, yeah. And then there's something. Well, we're at that point. We're, but, we're, but help me out. We're at that point where, like, because like, this was the time when being gay was a punchline. That happened all the way into, like, the mid-90s, I would say. I would, I recall, yeah. <laughs> I recall specifically, yeah. And then it became just, uh, then it became, well, we had, we, and, and then being gay was no longer a joke, and, and which, which is just, was a huge shift culturally for us. Yeah, but I'm talking about, there's a, a Sally, Sally Kirkland gets her son Dudley, I think his name is, um, a doll, and she calls yeah. it Gay Bruce, and Gay Bruce is a, is a doll um, to keep him company and, and, and talk about his feelings, and Gay Bruce comes out of a little closet box, and okay, I'm in on the joke so far, <laughs> but, but, but little Dudley is talking about uh, Gay Bruce with his, his psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist says, where is he? And he said, I killed him, and the psychiatrist says, why? Because he, he was a faggot. And I go, ooh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that uh, okay, so he was going to end up in Chicago. Well. <laughs> That's cool. And then some others that aren't as as, as uncomfortable, but it's like uh, all the, the righteous people are like, yeah, they're concerned about the air or the environment or something. And that's sort of folded into the other jokes, and you're like, well, mm. 
Yeah, maybe. A few good things in there. But yeah, I mean, it's really just sort of like skewering people who are all about like, that sounds judgmental. You have a lot of rage, man. And, you know, crazy sense of like... Um, it's a lot of rage, Harv. A lot of rage, Harv. A lot of skewers, uh, that particular type of sort of um, feminism that... Um, is held was held, I guess, by women who who really didn't explore anything in the world. Who it was right. sort of like the next hobby, and so they, you know have all these women who have this like weekly encounter group. And there's a great scene where Sally Kirkland fires her maid because um, Dudley has convinced the maid to expose herself to him, and she was like, so so Sally Kirkland's like asserting her own boundaries by firing the maid, even though she doesn't want to encourage her to like dispossess her personhood by being nude. So she fires this this maid, and she she picks up this this uh, new maid. It's a, a African American maid. And she pauses and she's, I'm having a problem with the uniform. And, and, and the black maid sarcastically says, oh, so you want me to change into street clothes and just pretend I'm your black friend who came to clean up? And Sally <laughs> says, would you mind? And, 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 and she yeah. invites her to this encounter group and it comes down to it. And all these white women from Marin County um, question her and say, look, as long as we're all being honest and you're part of our encounter group, maid lady or whatever it is, um, is it true what they say about black men? And and the black man goes, uh, I don't know. I've never slept with anyone but Wong. And it's like, yeah, okay, we're treading on like Africa. I mean, uh, Asian American small penis joke and everything else. But it's like there's something about it that's just so um, unabashedly unafraid to just continually um, uh, skewer people and 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 make fun of them in one way or another. I love it. Anyway, um, I also think that Martin Mole does a great job of being very subtle, um, being very, very subtle. And at the same time, it, like, there's something about the way that he approaches a fucking uh, a punchline. The way that he approaches the punchline and the way his timing is so impeccable. And um, you're talking and his, about Marty now. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, you went away for a second there, but but Martin Mole's um, timing is so impeccable, and uh, Bill Macy. Now, by the way, it's it's we really have to clarify that we're not talking about Bill Macy Jr. Right? William H. Macy. We're William not talking H. About Macy. The sorry. Name. Yeah, yeah. Bill Macy, who I think is is dead now, but he was in a lot of he was Mod's husband, etc. The interplay, the way those two have like different sense of timing, but they share a little bit of the dry humor. I think the interplay between Bill Macy and, and, and um, Martin Mole is fucking extraordinary. Right. And what they are basically, they're two men, like they're, they're, they're two men trying to like, you know, survive in this world that suddenly become very alien to them. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's, there's an opportunity to sort of say like, um, and, and I, I don't want to say this simply sarcastically. I, I really want to examine like what could be the problem. And it's like, Oh, sorry, middle-aged white guys living in Marin you know, privileged, et cetera, that the world is hard on you. And it's like, the, the thing is, I don't think that's their position. I mean, right. I mean they are they are middle-aged white men and, and possibly privileged and all that stuff. They're just kind of, they're just at a loss, I think. But they're just sick of things. They're just sick of people like, that's that's the way they put it. It's not political yeah. to them. They're just sick of people being self-important assholes around them. Yeah. All, all, all the time and, and they want things to be simple and, and, and there's a great scene Tuesday Weld is kind of a saving grace because because that's Martin Mull's wife and, and she is she is all of those irritating Marin things but there's moments when you can bring her back 
yeah. and that's that's she has what, moments of sanity that are that are very refreshing when they happen. Yeah, and and so then it's it's just tied up in a in a ton of like ridiculous hijinks. Maybe you could talk about some of those, but some of the hijinks that are just sort of like of of the sort of Hollywood nights or used car ilk of movies. Well, yeah, hijinks. Uh, what do we want to call that? Madcap. It goes madcap hard. Particularly at the end, which of course you know, making uh, <laughs> campy movie in the end uh, always does that at the end, and this this is no exception to that rule. Right there. But it's got little things all along, like Bill Bill Macy wakes up in the morning, he's got a boner, he looks at his <laughs> wife, and it's like yes, goes in, deodorizes, brushes his teeth, comes back, the bed is made, and she, she's yeah, the gone. bed is made, and she, she, she's got coffee on the fucking pot, right? And, and it wasn't just like he had a boner, but at the same time, like it, like she was like sleeping with her legs wide apart. <laughs> in a rather comically wide apart. It was fucking, this is a great set piece joke. And you knew it was going to happen that way, but you were still rooting for him. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And there's something, there's a, there's a sort of subplot about a cult that the daughter gets involved in. Um, mm-hmm. And and part of the, the point of the film is to sort of show that that cult is, um, it's a cult, but it's not far off from the life everyone's living in, in this yes. movie. You yeah, know? yeah. Sort of, I mean, they're just—they're slightly left of—they're slightly more full of shit than the uh, than everybody else in the movie, but not that much more, quite frankly. And everyone at one point takes on some sort of lover. Um, Tuesday Well takes on Paco, the bisexual artist slash dog groomer. Hot uh, um, culture all the way. People are switching. There's a one a great scene where this guy is marrying Sally Kirkman. During the weekend, and so he's talking to a guy on, on the boat. Everyone commutes, by the way, by bicycling down the Marin, uh, you know, the, the Sausalito Hill to the ferry to work across okay. in San Francisco. And he's talking to some guy on the boat. And he goes, oh, I'm getting married. Is she, uh, here's her name. Do you know her? And he goes, no, no. Well, she used to be named this. No, no, no. And he starts with all her previous names. And the guy goes, wait, that's my second wife. And it's like, you know, everyone's sort of switching partners all over the place. At some point... Bill Macy uh, inherits the lover that Martin Mull had, which was a, a strict vegan cashier who, who's, who's 19 but maybe 15. Um, it's a ridiculous movie, and I love it. And, and the whole one thing of about- my, one of my favorite lines of the whole thing is they're talking about like one of their friends who's been who's getting married this weekend. And it's like her fifth marriage, and uh, and uh, the, the the wife goes, "Yeah, but at least she's not afraid of a commitment." Right, right, right. <laughs> and there's a funeral with like a with like a Native American. That's what I was going to get to next. Yeah. <laughs> It's, one of the greatest. It's scenes. so great. I mean, some things don't travel. I mean, the camera pans down, and the Native American guy and all his his in, uh, Native American garb is wearing um, Adidas, and it's like that joke. I think today kind of falls flat. Like people realize, yeah, you can do both. Um, <laughs> Comfortable footwear is a is a value across culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good one. There's the whole thing with Christopher Lee um, that you were mentioning before, and it has to do with him being a, a, a business executive who's a, a mythological gay. Biker leader. What's the name? Snake. Spot. I think it was. Yeah, What's something it? like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and then there's of course Tommy Smothers, who plays the sort of like his own white shaman. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and you get a chance to doing his doing his doing his guru thing up in the. Fucking uh, <laughs> uh, goddamn it! It's such a little encapsulation yeah. of that time and place that, and and the thing about it too is. I love this movie because when I, when I was there, like not there there, but when, yeah. at that time, I shared a similar contempt for that culture, which I inherited straight from my dad. Like right. I can't I yeah. can't claim that at all for me. That was definitely from him, from Mister Finley One. 
but uh, but that has stuck with me, you know. Well, there, it's 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 not exactly a companion piece, but it's worth noting. I think it was Bruce Fernstein. He wrote um, "Real Men Don't Eat Quiche," and yes. "Real Men Don't Eat Quiche" was it, "Real Men Don't Eat Quiche" was a little bit of a send up of men from that culture, but it was also a little bit of a send up of of men from the machismo culture. Yes. Now, some people like right. your father refuse to acknowledge the second part. <laughs> that part at all. <laughs> but it was, yeah, and, and in some ways, I think, uh, I wonder if they even sell that book anymore. I wonder if it's banned at this point or something. Yeah, be on, it's fucking on Amazon somewhere, dude. I think I looked it up. I want to say I looked it up a couple of years ago, and I could find, like, the third one. Like, real women don't wear... Like, don't pump gas was the... That's it. Don't pump gas. Yeah, yeah. I don't... I look, You know, let's we're, let's go check that out. And if not, let's go find a PDF somewhere. It is, uh, yeah. It, it's a, it's a, of a time and in a place. And of an age, to be our age when those things were coming out, because it was so infant or, or juvenile, um, it kind of goes along with the, the Truly Tasteless Jokes book series, you know? Wow. What? What do you... Are you dissing the Truly Tasteless Jokes books? I'm not dissing Real Men Don't Eat Quiche. I'm saying it's all part of the the same sort of great sort of juvenile experience, man. A.K.A. it was on my dad's coffee table. Yeah, your dad was juvenile. (laughs) That's why we loved him. (laughs) Okay, I think we both agree this is, uh, without giving too much more away, it's a a great movie. uh, I want to sit down with, like, you got a millennial at your house. I want to sit down and watch this movie with her in the room and see what she thinks. Yeah. I'm going to share the screen with you now. And and uh, can you do you want to do like a watching party of uh, Fernwood tonight? Yeah, as long as I don't have to do anything because I don't know if I have the bandwidth or. Go ahead. Make it happen, sir. Let me share it. Can you see that? Yes. Okay. So this is just a YouTube of uh, Fernwood tonight. Can you hear it? You know, I'm especially glad to have our next guest with us. Um, I don't know if you know this gentleman. I really don't know what to say about him myself. Uh, this particular guest, ex- except to tell you that he's Jewish. And in fact, he, he's a speeding Jew, actually. He was going through town this afternoon, about five to ten miles over the limit. Nothing great, you know, but that's still over the limit. He got picked up, and well, the rest is history. So I'd like you to meet, please, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Morton Rose. <laughs> That seat's all right. I'm not, not sure what you're used to. Um, welcome very, very, very much, Morton. Uh, I guess it was just our luck that you were stopped today as you were driving through town, and it was the the police chief's idea, and a pretty good one, I think, in fact, to have you on the show because, well, it occurred to him that many Fernwooders or Fernwoodians or Fernies, whatever they're calling themselves these days, um, have actually never seen a real live Jew before, and... Uh, <laughs> And I think as your troubled, though very nice people know, um, it's just this kind of, I don't know, ignorance that often breeds contempt and prejudice and stereotyping. And, and I think we can help stop some of that by just letting them yes, see you and see what you're all about. That's true, Bob. Yes. Uh, and it's, I think uh, it's a service to let people know that you actually are, which I say, harmless and just like everyone else. And I think... <laughs> I think right now we can uh, put an end to a stereotype because, as you can see, he's uh, completely normal-looking. You look just like the rest of us. It's as plain as the nose on your face. That's right. I'm just a regular guy. Okay. 
Gordon, let's start right out the top here. Where do you work? Hidden Acres Real Estate. Mm -hmm. And of course, you own it. I'm a file clerk. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> surprise. May I ask you, why didn't you become a lawyer or a doctor like most of your other Jewish people? My family was poor and they couldn't afford to send me to school. Your family was poor? Uh huh. Are you sure you're Jewish? <laughs> Of course he's Jewish, Chair. <laughs> Tell me, uh, Morty, if I may, <laughs> do you have a family? Yes, I have a boy and a girl. One each. Yeah, it's amazing, really. I, I think this is quite a, an education for any Fernwoodians who may have never seen a Jew. Yeah. You, you've met Jews yourself before, though. Oh, you? definitely, yes. I've Should talked you? with them, I've had dinner with them, you name it. I know them inside <laughs> now, definitely. What tribe are you from, Mr. Rowan? <laughs> What tribe? Yes, sir. Well, I'm, I'm originally from Toledo. Our phone lines are open now in case any of you have never had the pleasure and would like to talk to a Jewish person. We invite you, we invite you to call us at 555-5624. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone and dial 555-5624. Our lines are open. This should be fun. That's how they are in Fernwood. You ask them to call, and they call. Yeah. Someone was sitting right on the phone there. That's yes. great. Hello, talk to a Jew. You're on the air. Uh, is this the Jew? No, 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 no. No way. No, no. Now, this is Barth Gimble. The Jew is sitting beside me to my right. Would you like to talk to him? Uh, no, it's okay. Uh, I'll talk to you, and you can give him this message. Gladly. Uh, I'd like to know when Barbara Streisand's next movie will be out. Okay, I, you heard that over the speaker here, so okay, you can go right ahead. Uh, well, I don't know, but uh, I, I'd like to see it myself, though. I, I think she's very good. You must be very proud of her. Uh, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> okay? Uh, uh, okay, thank you. You're welcome, dear. Boy, this is popular. Hello, talk to a Jew. You're on the air. Uh, I'm not Hello, talk to a Jew. You're on the air, Joe. <laughs> Um, I like um, stuff from that era. It just was like, it, whether it's that or like Dick Cavett, it's like the humor is like just a slow simmering buildup. It's not as, you know what I mean? It's so different from, it's, go ahead. It's also, it's also, I'm just, I don't, I don't want to say like not stupid, but like there's a, there's a lack of a certain amount of sophistication where yeah. basically just saying the word Jew gets kind of a half a laugh out of people. And then at the same time, like, like, they don't really have to go very far for the joke because everybody's sort of on the same page with that that kind of stereotypical knowledge of what people like today, you know, young young youngins today, don't know the stereotypes that Jews have been carrying around for hundreds of years. You know, well, one of the problems I think, and you can speak to this as a comic, is um, like the, a problem there was that people started laughing too soon. People, people did start. I don't think they wrote that. So as soon as you hear the word Jew, you start laughing. They actually took it someplace. And so in a way, I guess, I don't know what to do with that or what you do with it as a comic, because you're grateful that an audience is ready to laugh, but a little bummed oh, yeah. out that they're laughing at things like, oh, if they laugh at anything, it's like they're high almost, right? I, I watched a, a, a special with um, Jessica Kirsten. Uh, you know Jessica Kirsten? Oh, okay. Well. She's hysterical, but her whole special was ruined by people just laughing hysterically at every single thing she said. I don't mean like every every punchline. I mean every like 
couple of words. And it's, you know, it, 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 it uh, devalues the currency of the laugh almost. Right. That wasn't the study I was after here. I just thought it was kind of interesting that he had this show in the 70s just prior, like three years prior to Serial. Well, and that's also, this is, it, it's, but here's the funny thing. It's a, it's a, this is one of those shows where people are like, well, you see that? They didn't have to swear to be funny back then. Yeah. And it was just the way that was just, that was where people were sort of culturally. Now it's, now it's a very different thing. And Tom Segura blows, man. I fucking special was very disappointing. Are we still recording? Yeah, Bahog. What? Bahog. You didn't care for Bahog. I didn't like it at all, man. It was a. It's such a bummer. That the guy's been reading way too many of his press clips or something. It's, yeah, it's, it's a bummer. He's, he's kind been, of. He's okay. been ruined by his success to a, a little bit. I, yeah. I think it's over. That's interesting that you throw that into this episode, but I do. I do agree with you that he has been kind of ruined by his success. Yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, um, I haven't seen Martin Mullen much, by the way. Recently, he was in a movie about the founder of National Lampoon. Oh, okay. Um, I forget what it's called, but it's got uh, anyway. It's a good movie. Um, I just find, and he did a great um, podcast with Mark Maron about four months ago. Uh, oh, really? That's see, that's a Mark Maron I'd listen to for sure. Is Martin Mullen Mark Maron? Yeah, Martin Mullen. Yeah. Yeah. All right, my friend. Uh, thank you for sort of joining us. I'm, I'm bummed that we have to use this technology, but it's still good that we can see each other and talk about movies. And um, that's good to see your, it's, it's just good to see your funny little face, my friend. Thank that you. Right there. Likewise. Likewise. All right, Tommy, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, buddy. Be Bye. good. <laughs>